You're listening to the Capay Friends Community Church Podcast, recorded September 14th, 2015. Mind Renovation, Part 2, Feelings. Well, hello and welcome to the podcast. Glad you are with us. We are continuing our series on renovation, and we're in Part 2 of the Renovation of the Mind. If you missed last week, we talked about the renovation of our thought life. Today, we're talking about the renovation of our feelings. Feelings are a blessing and a curse, aren't they? One of the challenges with feelings is that we tend to presume that the the feelings that we have are justified. Unlike our thoughts, where we, we tend to allow our thoughts to be questioned, we tend to allow our thoughts to be challenged, but our feelings are tied to something much more intimate. One of the things that we do with our feelings, which sometimes overwhelms us, is that we make decisions based on our feelings. Every Sunday morning, I kind of have the same routine. I, I wake up, uh, you know, 4 5 o'clock, and I, and I get to the office to m- make sure everything is all set up for Sunday and and everything is good to go. And it's just kind of my routine. I take, take some time and I pray. But one of the things I never do, I never eat on Sunday mornings. I always wait till lunchtime. And it's not like a spiritual thing or anything like that. I, I just don't eat in the mornings for whatever reason. And so about every time I get up to go and preach, I generally feel hungry. Um, and And... I don't know if that affects my preaching or not, but, but I generally feel hungry. Now, now, what if in the middle of a sermon on a Sunday, I responded to that feeling of hunger, right? I just, I just dropped everything that I was doing and said, I feel hungry. I'm going to go get food right now. And I just leave everybody there, right? Sometimes we make decisions based on our feelings and sometimes that's not the most responsible thing to do right I have a responsibility on Sunday mornings and I can't just respond to my feelings see we can't become slaves to satisfying our feelings this is one of the challenges with our feelings is is we tend to want to we tend to want to go where they lead us one of the other things about feelings and is that some people even come to faith based on an emotional feeling. And the problem with that is then faith is then dependent on the maintaining of that emotional feeling. But what happens when that feeling goes away? You know, many, many sincere professing Christians suffer in their walks with God because they make a commitment prompted by a feeling of need and and not by insight into how things are with God and their soul. So so is it bad if people come to faith because of a feeling? I, I think it's complicated and I would say yes, but it can also be the beginning of God moving in a person's life. And it can't just remain a feeling. It has to be um, get deeper than that. It has to be an insight into how things are with God and our soul. You know, I, I tend to be wary of a spirituality or teaching 
that plays on our feelings to get people to behave in a certain way. Uh, you know, there you've seen people um, use tactics in evangelism, this idea that if you don't turn, if you don't repent right now, you're going to spend all of eternity in a fiery place with pitchforks. And what this form of evangelism does is it's playing on the feeling of fear. Come to Jesus so you don't have to feel fear of burning in hell. Or sometimes we encourage people to pray because then good things will begin to happen. Right? And so then spirituality becomes the reason for praying is for a feeling of security. See, but evangelism requires our whole life. It, it requires us demonstrating the radical love and grace of Jesus for our neighbor as genuinely good news. And prayer is intended as a means of holistic transformation in the relational context of conversation and the presence with the divine. You see, so, so prayer is intended for, to transform us, and, and it's a way we communicate and we talk with God. It's not so that we can have the feeling of security. Today, our, our, our goal, our mission, is to come to honest terms about our, what our feelings really are. And that's a challenge. That's a big task. One of the challenges with, our, with feelings is sometimes we tend to confuse the condition with the accompanying feeling. right? Sometimes we try to manage the feelings but disregard the condition. Now, for example, a person who wants to feel loved um, who wants the feeling of being loved might be incapable of sustaining loving relationships because they forfeit the condition. The, the best example I could think of is um, the character Kelly Kapoor in The Office. The Office is one of my, my favorite uh, TV shows, um, all except until like the last few seasons. When they got, um, when Michael Scott left The Office, that, that kind of hurt. Um, and it wasn't as good. But Kelly Kapoor, her character is this very bubbly, um, bubbly girl who, who wants to be in love. And she decides and she falls in love with this, her co-worker, Ryan. But the problem is, is that Ryan, he's, he's a real jerk. Like, there's not very, very many redeeming characteristics about his character on The Office. And so what she does, she continually throws herself at Ryan because she's more obsessed with the feeling of being in love rather than being in a healthy condition that can foster love. She would rather be with a jerk for the feeling of being in love rather than having that condition. Sometimes we do this with peace. Sometimes we want the feeling of peace but we're unwilling to create the condition of peace. I think about this when we struggle with one another, when we hurt one another. And sometimes we just, we don't do anything. We, we keep it closed in because we don't want to create a conflict, right? We, we don't want to go to that person and, 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 and there be a conflict. 
And so what happens is we're trying to create the feeling of peace to avoid the conflict, but we're not creating the condition of peace because really that conflict still exists. See, we must act with regard to the condition and allow our feelings to take care of themselves. In Luke chapter 10, verse 30, um, Jesus, he tells a parable and he tells a parable because somebody asks him, who is my neighbor? And it's really a trick question. Really what he's asking is, who do I not need to love? And, and listen to this parable. Luke chapter 10, starting in verse 30. In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. Right? We've all heard this story before. It's, it's a very popular um, parable. And right, there's these two religious guys that pass by a guy who's been beaten and left half dead. Now, these religious guys, they should know better. They're the ones that should know what to do and how to help somebody who has been hurt, who is broken. They should know how God instructs um, them in the book of Leviticus, how they're to care for, for the alien, for the person who's not like them. But in this story, it's the Samaritan. It's the person that the Levite and the priest would look down upon as not being or not having it all together, not being religiously correct. It's the Samaritan is the one who goes and bandages his wounds and goes far beyond um, anything that anybody would ever do in that time um, to take care of somebody. He goes well beyond it. Now, the question is, did the priest and the Levite, did they just not have any feelings? Is, is that it? Is, were, were the priest and the Levite, did they have no feelings? And I would say no. It's, it's, it's just that they had the wrong feelings. They had the wrong feelings. They were more concerned with where they were going. They didn't want to concern themselves with whatever was happening right in front of them. They had the wrong feelings. They had feelings that led them to selfish actions. In James 4, it says this, What causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? 
You desire, but do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. See, people mastered by their feelings believe that their feelings must be satisfied. But do we ever ask God, do we ever go to God and say, God, should I feel this way? Because what happens, feelings spread into all areas of our life. It's hard to reason with people because they are taken over by their feelings and made to defend them at all costs. And so James reminds us, you do not have because you do not ask God. See, maybe the feelings that we have need to be checked. We, maybe we are not living to our full potential because we are a slave to our feelings rather than going before the Lord and asking God, should I have these feelings? Should I have these feelings? What if the priest and the Levite, as they're walking by, they say, I, I don't feel like helping this man, but God, what would you have me do? Now, so one of the ways that we deal with our feelings is by denying and repressing our feelings, right? If, if we just pretend like they're not there, but that doesn't work. A person should not just want to avoid abusing their family, but they really don't want to have the feelings that lead to it. If you're verbally abusive, if you hurt people with your words, it shouldn't be that you just want to stop doing it, but we need to ask God to remove those feelings that lead to it. We can't just repress it, but we need to bring them before the Lord that he would transform us, he would renew our feelings so that we don't even have the feelings to do that. Hebrews 12 verse 15, see to it that no one falls short of the grace of God. And that no bitter root grows up to cause trouble and defile many. See, we need to continu continually focus on the grace of God. Repressing our feelings does not allow God's grace. It's us doing it on our own, which is extremely dangerous. See, when our attention wanders from the grace of God, we generate bitterness and it destroys others. Our feelings are not our own. They affect everybody around us. Some of the wisest people I know um, never see, seem to allow themselves, if they can help it, to get into a position where they feel too deeply about any human matter. And what I mean by that is, is that, that, that some of the wisest people I know, things that don't really matter, things that don't have um, eternal value, they tend not to feel too deeply about it. See, how often do we allow our feelings to get caught up in things that have no eternal consequence? Um, it was few years ago, uh, me and my brothers, we, we pooled our money together to buy my parents a brand new uh, flat screen TV. And, and so we got it for them for Christmas. And we were all excited to, to get them this TV. And, and they were really excited. You know, the picture looked fantastic. It was a huge upgrade from what they had. And, and, so, and 
so a week later it was New Year's and we we went over to watch um, the football games on New Year's Day at my parents' house on their new flat screen TV and my my dad and I we were we were messing with cables in the back trying to make sure the audio was all working correctly and my son Rowan he sees that we're working on the TV and he takes his his plastic juice cup you know the kind with the little twisty lid so the so the juice doesn't leak out you know they're kind of hard they're durable they can be tossed around well he takes it and he has quite an arm and he threw it at the TV and the thing just cracked right down the middle like I remember a little bit of smoke came out of the top and the picture just went away and I remember watching this and and my wife and were just mortified that the this present that we had all got my parents, my uh, two-year-old son had just taken his juice cup and hucked it at the TV, and it was broken. And we were so we were so upset about what had just happened. We were, we couldn't believe it. We had just damaged my parents' TV, but my parents were very indifferent about it. They're like, meh. They, they they didn't really care because one of the things they just didn't feel too deeply about it it was something that really didn't matter it's not that they didn't appreciate the gift but in the long run it's just a tv it's just a tv it doesn't really matter i used to be a worship leader at a church and uh it was a pretty casual church i'd usually wear jeans and a collared shirt um, to lead worship in and uh, it's the same thing i wear now to preach in and there was a lady who was very critical of the way I dressed. She always thought I should be dressed better than I was. And I was in college at the time. And and so, I, you know, my appearance was, you know, I, I didn't look terrible, but I probably didn't look the best ever. I don't know. I, I wasn't, I don't know. I kind of just fit into the community that I was in. But she had this idea that I, as the worship leader, I should be dressed uh, much better. And I remember she was so concerned about the way I dressed is she actually gave me a large sum of money so that I could go buy new clothes. Now, when I was in college, like, you know, clothes were not the most important thing. I was more concerned with um, paying my rent and uh, (laughs) having food to eat throughout the month. Um, And so she gave me this large sum of money because she cared so much about the clothes that I wear on Sunday morning. See, sometimes the way we feel about things, if we feel too deeply, we will act. And, and maybe, maybe we'll act on things that really don't matter so much. Maybe we put too much effort. We allow our feelings to get caught up in things that have no real eternal consequence. In Galatians 5, 24, it says, Those who belong to Christ Jesus have crucified the flesh with its possessions and desires. See, today, we need to ask God to crucify the feelings that are, that are of no eternal consequence and re- replace them with feelings that move us closer to the likeness of Christ. See, the problem is most people can't envision themselves and who they would be without the fears and angers and lusts which they have lived with for so long. 
But as we walk with God, as we as we journey with God, over time, God is going to transform us and renew us. And he's going to renovate our whole being. And that actually includes our feelings. God can renovate those feelings and change those feelings that lead us to be maybe verbally abusive. God can change and renovate our feelings, though. And, and help us to care about the things that have eternal consequences. Lord, help us to feel more deeply about the things that truly matter to you in this world. In John chapter 15, Jesus, he uses this imagery of us being connected. We are branches and Jesus is this vine. And that, that the thing about branches, when they're connected to the vine is that they bear fruit. And Jesus points out that branches that are not connected to the vine, what happens is they get thrown into the fire because ultimately they are useless. And I wonder for us today, how many of our feelings are really not connected to that of Jesus and are really just useless? We spend so much time and energy being a slave to these feelings that we want to satisfy but really, they're worthless. They're pointless. Our feelings need to be connected to the vine and be centered around who Jesus is. See, because there's good news. Our feelings are not useless. God created them, and they are good. They're part of God's um, creation. God created us to be, to be people who feel and love and care. And God, God made us that way. And so we can't just disregard our feelings not that we don't have feelings but we need to have feelings and feel about the things that jesus cares about so i want to give us three ways that god transforms our feelings when we are connected to the vine when we are walking close with jesus i believe god transforms um, our feelings the first one when we are connected to the vine god fills our hearts with love when, when we are connected to the vine, God fills our hearts with love. And see, love is when we promote something for its, for its own goodness, its own sake. Right? Could you imagine going to your, your spouse and, and having this condition that you love them if they would just change these few habits? I would love you more if you just change these habits. So that's not really what love is love is loving someone for how God created them. How God created them. Now, that doesn't mean that we ignore um, sin and brokenness, brokenness, but what the love of Christ does is it allows us to love people because they are God's creation. When we see people as God created them, not this condition that once they change this, then we can love them no god when we are connected to the vine he enables us to love and he creates this feeling of love in our hearts for one another when we are connected to the vine god fills our hearts with joy joy is that pervasive sense overall and ultimate well-being See, we can have joy because we have hope that Christ's rule and kingdom are breaking forth right here and right now in the present. It's this sense that 
everything is going to be all right because God holds everything in his hands. When we are connected to the vine, we have this kind of joy and this feeling of joy just permeates within us because we know that Christ's rule and reign is bursting forth. And thirdly, when we are connected to the vine, God fills our hearts with peace. Peace is the rest and in the, in the insurance about how things will turn out. See, peace comes from when we no longer are trying to justify ourselves because we are assured of our life because of Christ. That Christ, what he did on the cross, renews, redeems, and restores. Could you imagine what kind of people we would be if we being connected to the vine, being filled with love and joy and peace, and these feelings just permeate within us? I believe it would be contagious. We'd be a completely different creation. So today, as you go about your day, as you go about your week, can, can we begin to go before God and ask God that tough question? God, should I feel this way about this? Should I feel this way about this situation, God? Lord, would you fill me with love and joy and peace. Ask God, Lord, help me to care and feel deeply about the things that you care about. This is tough, isn't it? It's tough to let go of those feelings and, and, and acknowledge maybe these feelings are actually holding us back. Maybe the feelings that we have are actually holding us back, and we're not living the full life that God intended for us. But I want to encourage you this week to take that bold step and just ask the question to God, God, should I feel this way about this situation right now? God, would you fill my life with love and joy and peace? Grace and peace to you this week, and may you be filled and connected to the vine.